last week, I want to thank you so much for all of the gifts and the presents and cards. My birthday was so fun, and you just made it even funner. I know that's not a word, but it is today. So thank you so much. I appreciate you guys a lot. This has been a great week. This week has been incredible. We've had so much generosity oozing out of this church, and I need you. I know it's a little quiet today, first service. I need you to get a little loud here in just a second and wake up because of what you did is insane. It really is insane. This last Sunday, we gave our entire offering away, and it was bigger than any offering we have ever received in the history of our church. I mean, you're clapping. That's a, that's a nice golf clap, but in a second, you're going to really clap. We went out. We just played Santa this week. Uh, we went to different ministries around the Bay Area, and we told you exactly where the money's going last week. We said it's going to four areas. We talked about our local area. We gave to a lot of other ministries in town that don't even have anything to do with us. And um, really, we just believe that the kingdom of God is bigger than one church. So we blessed them and surprised them with some very large checks and and I'll show you a video here in just a second. Their facial expressions, they were so grateful, so grateful. One, one organization said, we were just praying this morning that God would send us unexpected checks, and you showed up. Like, crying. This is amazing. And uh, then we were sent uh, a bunch to ARC, which is planting life-giving churches, and then uh, to missions around the globe uh, to plant life-giving churches, organizations that are that are they're doing some amazing things for the kingdom of God. Now, we have been doing this for several years. And we'll give away sometimes 30 grand. We gave away 50 grand one year. This year, because of your generosity, you gave over $200,000 away to build the kingdom of God around the globe and locally. Come on, I think somebody ought to give God some praise for that. That's insane generosity. $200,000, when I saw what came in, we just had so much fun. We wrote all the teams and all the organizations we're giving to down. We cried this week, we, we laughed this week. It was just incredible because of your generosity. Ladies and gentlemen, we are making a difference and leaving a mark and a legacy that will outlast all of us for the glory of God. Amen, everybody. And then, it doesn't stop there. Yesterday, we had a Giving Hope Mall. You say, well, what's that? Well, because of your generosity, we brought in families from the area, and uh, by personal invitation, and through our small groups and dream team, and then even families outside of our church, they came in, and they were greeted warmly, got some hot, uh, uh, some refreshments. They heard the gospel story, the, the cr message of Christmas, and uh, I think six, uh, six or more, at least six, gave their life to Jesus Christ. And then their families, their kids were over in the kids' wings getting blessed and having fun and, and doing a lot of stuff. And then what we did is we then, our prayer team was there to pray for every one of them. And then they were able to shop over here not in a mall. They weren't just given toys. The parents were able to go shop for toys. And you guys outdid yourself. These toys were really nice, man. So every, and then we wrapped all the presents for them. They left with presents. We have a couple stories. One lady, she said this. She said, um, I had, she wrote into us, and she said, um, our kids went to their friend's house, and they, they saw all the presents under their friend's tree. Came home and asked mom, how come there are no presents under our tree? And the mom had to explain, we can't afford that this year. And then she got an invitation 
and she came here, and all of her kids are getting presents this year. I mean, just story after story after story. That's you. You did that. You did that. And I want to thank you for being generous. One of our core values is it's better to give than to receive. We are a generous church, and we have given so much away over the last week. We put together a little video that tries to encapsulate a little bit about what you did so you can see the return on investment. Let's take a look. Our church this last week has taken an offering and we're giving it all the way to different ministries. So we're taking chunks here, chunks there, and blessing different ministries we believe in, both locally and nationally and all that. So all we want to do is stop by and just say from the people of Fellowship Church, Merry Christmas. And this oh. is for... Oh, thank you. It's really cool, it's very much a confirmation because I do feel like the Lord's been speaking it for a while, but it's it's scary yeah. because when we go out there, we hit a lot of, um, well, there's just rejection. And so when you come to, to our place, of, you know, our establishment where we're working and you give us this, it to me, it's him just saying, no, I put people out there that are gonna support you and push you and encourage you and don't be afraid. Come on, somebody ought to clap your hands for Jesus. Way to go. Way to go, Fellowship Church. I'm so proud of you. And here's what we learned. Here's what we learned. What we can do together is so much more than what we can do by ourselves. All of us, 3,000 plus people coming together, this is what a church can do to influence the community, to influence the nation, and to influence the world for the love of Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody. God's given us two words for this church. I wish somebody helped me shout them out. Hope and healing. Hope for your tomorrow and healing from your yesterday. That's all found in Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful to be a part of such a movement that gets it. And we love you, we love you, we love you. Today's going to be a lot of fun. Last Sunday of the year, we have the one and only Diana Nepstad speaking to us today. My wife, can you clap your hands? Come on, let's stand to our feet and welcome Diana Nepstad today. 
you love Christmas, I love Christmas. And um, today I get the opportunity to share some of our family traditions. I know many of you have some family traditions. How many of you just love um, decorating your house for Christmas, creating an atmosphere? And I remember being a young child and my mom would give us, an, and because we were on a budget, we were a family of, of nine, and my mom was raising, she was a teenager raising teenagers, okay? We were a blended family. So, so she would give us a portion um, of the budget and I would go to pick and save. Remember pick and save? Yeah. Okay, you had big lots this day. I had pick and save, okay? And so I would go to pick and save, and I was one of, the ch um, one of her children that would get the money, go buy some decorations. I remember the tinfoil decorations? Okay, the confetti, you know, the, the banners, all of that. I was that girl. I was cheesy. And so I would decorate my mom's house, and when I went away to university um, for, to uh, pursue higher education, my mom missed that so much because I was gone and I was the only kid in the house that would decorate for Christmas. And I just want to tell you that traditions are very important. Family traditions are huge. And especially, you know, in a, in a day and age where we're craving for comfort, we're craving for a sense of family, a sense of trust, a sense of hope. And believe me, I'm going to share a story with you where you're going to put your trust in the only person and the only person that you could build your life and anchor your life in, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ. And so um, family traditions, um, let's share a couple. How about picking a Christmas tree? How many of you guys like picking a Christmas tree and decorating a Christmas tree? Okay, I love, in our house, we love picking the Christmas tree. I like going to the Christmas tree lot and I will pick the charliest, browniest Christmas tree, okay? The one that's the under, underdog of the group, okay? I will take that, take it home, decorate it, and it will be mine. Now, my husband is another story. Okay, now my husband loves to go to the Christmas tree lot, and he will ask the vendor to pull out not one, not two, but 20 Christmas trees in order to find the perfect tree. Hello, somebody. You thought I had issues. So um, on, on behalf of the Nepstad family, to all the Christmas tree farms, I apologize in advance for the holiday season. How about for many of you, maybe Christmas lights. You like gathering your kids into the car and you would um, take your kids through some of the communities. And I remember back in the day, um, uh, Country Hills Road, they used to, um, uh, the neighborhood in that area would decorate their homes and we would take our kids down that road and they would decorate with um, some of these wood configurations of cartoon characters of Pixar or Disney and they would put a lights display and everything would be in sync with a Christmas song. I love that. Um, and I love the sense of many of you providing that for your community, providing that for kids, because the kids have a, an ability to suspend a really harsh reality in order to have a world full of wonder. And so Christmas lights are beautiful. How about hot chocolate? I inaugurated the Christmas season with hot chocolate. Okay, and not just any kind of hot chocolate. I'm talking about Mexican hot chocolate. Hello, somebody. You see, I'm a Bay Area kid. I carry all the cultures within me, okay? And um, there's just something about Pete's hot chocolate. They have a little something-something going on in there. And so I love going there with my kids. We get bundled up. You know, even though it's 90 degrees outside, we get bundled up in our sweaters. We're sweating profusely. We have our, you know, neck scarves, and we sit outside, and we're just sweating buckets, and we just drinking our hot chocolate. Amen. 
And so that's us. That's my vibe. That's how I roll, okay? How about the nativity scenes for some of you? I remember for me, um, collecting all my Kohl's cash because I've been doing business throughout the Christmas season. I've been uh, accumulating all my Kohl's cash and I bought my first nativity scene about seven, eight years ago. And my girls were really small at that time. And so when I took out the nativity scene, the ceramic one, and it had Joseph and Mary and the Magi and sweet little baby Jesus in the little trough. And I would put it on the little end table and the girls would sit there wide eyes and they could see themselves kind of imagining the Christmas story through the eyes of just the ceramic figurine set. And so usually I'm the helicopter mom and I kind of guard the nativity scene. And so um, this day I was slacking. I was in the back office, you know, just doing a couple of things for the church. And lo and behold, the girls started running around this, you know, nativity scene and they were just curious and playing around and and Mariah, being six or seven years old at the time, started flipping quarters, coins into the air. And then all of a sudden, when she flipped the last quarter, the last turn, she heard a crack and a pop. <laughs> she went over to try to find her coins. And lo and behold, it landed on sweet baby Jesus. <laughs> but not only land on sweet baby Jesus, it decapitated sweet baby Jesus. Imagine my dismay. And believe me, she learned her lesson well. How about Elf on the Shelf? Elf on the Shelf. Many of you are um, enjoying, you know, creating a tradition with your kids with Elf on the Shelf. I know some of you, you know, the, the inner comedian is coming out. And so all of you are creating a world of magic, a, a world of wonder for your kids. And what I mean by that is like you're beginning to communicate some of these um, family traditions, humor and joy uh, with your kids, waking up in the morning, seeing the elf, you know, going by the toilet or seeing the elf going and dipping into the, you know, the chocolate chip cookies in the kitchen. And so it creates this world of, of just friendship, wonder, awe inside of the children and, and an ability to kind of suspend belief around them and believe in something of an inner world for them. How about advent calendars? Advent calendars. For us, I love advent calendars. You could pick one up at Trader Joe's, or you could pick one up at World Market. World Market has the best chocolates, I'm just saying. In those advent calendars, they have little panels inside of these, you know, paper cardboard boxes. And in these panels are the countdown of the days leading up to Christmas. And so what I used to do when the children were smaller, my girls were smaller, I would sit them down and I would give them a little scripture of the nativity story. And so with the nativity story, after they would sit through, you know, a little scripture portion, I would reward them with the advent calendar. They would open it up and eat the chocolate for that day. I believe there was a miscommunication between myself and Hadassah. I think she thought after sitting through, a, you know, a, a scripture setting that she got the opportunity to eat all of the chocolates. And so there was a breakdown in communication. Just make the parameters real clear, parents, okay? Um, so for me, watching Christmas movies, how many of you love to watch Christmas movies? I love Elf. You smell like beef and cheese. You know, I love that line. And or um, how about the, the Scrooge? How many of you love Scrooge, the movie with Jim Carrey? That's a fabulous rendition of the story Scrooge. How about Narnia? For us, we love to watch Narnia. 
Narnia, the first installment, which is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And the writer of those books was C.S. Lewis, and he had the ability to um, help create stories with a moral compass for kids to kind of distinguish a moral absolutes, so the right and wrong, good and evil. And so he had such an uncanny way to, in, in word form, write these stories down, and these stories were brought to picture by Peter Jackson. Don't ask me how I know those little frivolous details. I just know it. Um, but we would love to sit down. I would tell the girls, okay, this is the game plan. Go into the house, go to your rooms, get dressed in your Christmas pajamas, run down, uh, downstairs, sit on the couch, get your comfiest you know, blankets, and we're going to watch this, these Christmas movies. So those are a lot of fun. Family traditions. I love being home for Christmas. And so I'm sure many of you are wanting to understand why family traditions, why are they so important? And I'll tell you why. And I want you to get a sense that for, for children, especially right now, it's a way to anchor the soul, anchor the mind, anchor the family to something that's beyond them. And so when we think of family traditions, I think of stained glass windows. I think of Christmas trees. I think of... Um, hot chocolate, fireplaces. It's something that soothes the soul. And so today I'd like to share with you a family tradition. It's more of a Christian tradition and it's called Advent. And Advent has certain particular um, symbols that tell the story of why Advent is so important. It was instilled and installed by um, Martin Luther, who was a Christian father of the faith. And back in the 14, 1300s, um, um, he had this ability to bring the stories of the Bible to everyday people. And these everyday people weren't educated people. These people were um, illiterate. Some of them didn't, didn't know how to read the Bible. And so he would, through symbolism, show and teach that generation the word of God. And so this is a way that I would like to teach you just, just some of the symbols of Advent. And so... Some of the symbols are an evergreen wreath. An evergreen wreath surrounding the candles, um, it symbolizes in the kingdom that it's an everlasting kingdom, that there is no end, that God's kingdom always perseveres and pushes through um, the, the challenges, the weathering, the elements, the heat of the day, so to speak. And even though it's green, it tells us that it's always flourishing, always thriving, always growing. And you see the, um, the five candles, and four of them are purple. The four purple candles resemble, or they communicate the virtues of Jesus Christ, the, the virtues of what he brought to us as his people. And the middle candle, and I will describe that later, and I will teach you that it symbolizes Jesus Christ. So let's begin. I want you to write down, Advent is a celebration of God's arrival. I want you to write that down, arrival. We're celebrating how he came to planet Earth. And it is a powerful imagery for us to receive the Christ child who came to planet Earth. And he brought something very specific. And we'll begin here. He brought the first thing, which is the message of hope. The message of hope. Everybody thinks that they have a measure of hope. Everybody or someone else is communicating what hope is. Hope in this generation is not found in a person and not government, and not, not in the educational system. It's not found in any person that we see here. It's found in the message of Jesus Christ, and only Jesus Christ. He has the corner on the market, so to speak, when it comes to the message of hope. 
And so we're going to read here um, from Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. And it says here that we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. Isaiah 64, 6. In other words, Jesus Christ, God the Father in heaven, saw that there was a sin problem among mankind. There's a fallen nature. We live in a fallen world. There's pestilence. There's disease. There's poverty. There's hunger. And so in this fallen nature, we have a fallen person as well, our personhood. We cannot do life alone. We cannot do life with this fallen nature. And with that fallen nature, we are, we are so succumbed to the decay of our physical bodies through pestilent disease and also pain, suffering, sickness, diagnosis. And I know many of us have weathered loss. And because of that, God saw this decay and he didn't want to sit there seeing us wither away in our own decay, withering like autumn leaves, going away and having sin sweep us away in darkness forever. And so he developed a remedy, and that is found in the, in the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And it reads like this. It says, she, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from all their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's where we get the carol, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us, his name is called Emmanuel. And so for, for that, and with that, Emmanuel, God sent his son to planet Earth to resolve a sin problem. And the thing is, the sin problem, he didn't want us to be in, in that tension that we're going to decay and go into darkness. He was the one who brought the message of light. And so God left his, his heavenly throne and put aside his heavenly garments and became a child and became a, a child for us to receive the message of the Messiah. And he was the Jewish Messiah, meaning Jesus Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, to identify with our pain, to identify with our, with our life, to identify our losses and our pains, the tragedies. And he succumbed to the greatest terror, which was the crucifixion of his own body. It didn't stay there. He conquered death and the grave in order for us to receive the resolution of all things, which is hope in a new life with him if we accept him. And that is the purpose of his message. And so why? Why did he do this? I want you to write down he did it for love. He did it for love. And love is powerful. And it's not a love between a married couple. It's not a love that you have between friends or brothers. This is an agape love, an everlasting love, a love that, that is there when, when you go through the tough times, a love that is there when you have your worst moments, a love that is there 
when you make the biggest mistakes, that is the love of Jesus Christ. And he says this, John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. He says, this is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. In other words, he loved us so much that he sent his son, the son that was so loved, the son that he, he loved with all of his being, that he would send it on our behalf because it took someone without a sin problem to solve this problem that we have, which is a sin issue. And so this is a man who knew no sin. And it took a man who knew no sin to die on our behalf. And that is the hope of Jesus Christ for love. So why did he bring this message? What, for what purpose would it affect us in such a way? And I want you to write down, he did it to bring great joy. Great joy. And it says here in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, it says here, that night, some shepherds were in the fields nearby, watching their sheep. And there an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord was shining around them, and they became so very frightened. But the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid. I am bringing you good news that will be a great joy to all the people. And today, your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord, and this is how you will know him. You will find a baby wrapped in pieces of cloth, lying in a feeding box. You see, the purpose of this message of joy is what it was for the purpose of bringing goodwill. He was extending a branch of goodwill to all people, not to some, not to just white people, not to just black people, not to just Latino people, not to, ju to just the Asian people. It's for the whole planet Earth great men and small men, the least of us to the greatest of us, the most intellectual to those who don't have um, a college education, whatever it may be. God came to break all the parameters and to level us on one single plane and because we are his people. And that is the message that he brought and it brought great joy to all of us, not to some of us. For those who receive Jesus Christ, the message of who he is would have experienced great joy, a rejuvenation that they are no longer who they were, but now they are to be who they really are, which is in Christ Jesus, a person with a new life, a clean slate, a fresh start. And that is the power of Jesus Christ. So what do we experience in all of this? I want you to write down, now we get to experience peace. Peace. Peace is profound. So many people in this generation are searching for peace. Parents, your children who are watching you, sometimes you may be losing your mind. Sometimes 
you may feel like you're on shaky ground. But let me tell you, this world may be nervous, but I'm not nervous. You can have peace when there's turmoil around you. And it says here, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts, your minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. In other words, the peace of God, when you receive him, when we celebrate the message of Jesus Christ, the peace of God becomes the guardian over our hearts and becomes the guardian over our minds. And he stands guard because he begins to designate what becomes, what becomes allowed into your hearts, whether it's CNN news, whether it's Fox news, whether it's a report, whether what you see across the TV screen, whatever that is. And you know what that is because the, the world is shouting a message to you and it's trying to get into your head. And here our children are consuming what they see. They're consuming the atmosphere that you provide in your home. And I'm saying this to guard your hearts and to guard your minds and not to get nervous because God is still on the throne. God is the everlasting king. We may have presidents, we may have kings and queens on this planet, but let me tell you, there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the everlasting king of an everlasting kingdom. And so even the world, they may be nervous. Diana Nefstad is not nervous. And mom and dad, you're not nervous. Why? Because you've anchored your life in the anchor of Jesus Christ. So he comes in and he guards the messages of our hearts. He comes and he allows us to sleep in peace when we go to sleep at night. And when we tuck our children into bed, we're not going to give them messages of, of instability and insecurity. No, we're going to give them messages of what the word of God says, which is that he is the one who consumes and gives peace. And so the last candle, I want you to look here. This is the symbol of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, even though we celebrate his arrival, even though we, we receive the message when he came to planet Earth, now we have the hope of receiving him again. And so this message of hope, it's all based on the life of Jesus. This message of hope is about Christ. In other words, we celebrate his arrival, but we're going to celebrate his return. And it says here, Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. It says, but our homeland is in heaven. And we are waiting for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come from heaven and by his power to rule all things. He will change our humble bodies and make them like his own glorious body. You see, we have a very short life down here on planet Earth. And for us in our household and here at Fellowship Church, that's the message of hope that we receive. It's not that we just receive the child, the Christ child, 
But the Christ child grew up in a home, lived for 33 years, gave his life upon a cross in order to solve man's problem, humanity's problem, and that is a broken nature. And he resolved that by building a bridge to us in order to build a home inside of us of rest, of peace, of new beginnings. And now this is the message that we get to share with everyone that he's coming again. Christ is going to return in all of his splendor and our humble bodies being suspended and held by grace. It's going to be translated and transformed to the glorious body that he received. Now it's a promise that we receive as well. And so as we look to this, as we look to these times and as we look to 2017, Family at Fellowship Church, I'm here to tell you that this is the beautiful beginnings of what you're going to hear as far as the messages of what's coming from this pulpit, coming between the, the people of God, which is he's coming back again. This is not the end of the story. This is a very living and wonderful and magnificent Christmas. And so as we take this time to gather around our families, gather around the tables, I want to give you permission in this time to slow down and begin to look at one another, begin to embrace your young children and give them the message of hope. I'll be home for Christmas. You can plan on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents by the tree. Christmas Eve you'll find me when the love light be. I'll be home for Christmas and only in my dreams and only in my dreams. Merry Christmas and have a fabulous New Year.